You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Watching a lot of tournament because I was in the I was in Vegas. Yeah. How was the trip? It was fun. We did really well. Um, it's basically, if you think about it, the tournament's kind of broken up into a morning session and an afternoon session. Yep. So I was there for essentially four sessions, you know, the, the first two days. Mm-hmm. We had two great sessions, one okay session, and one bad one. So walk away a winner, but not the, – the problem is, is that our bad session was literally the last one. So you just felt like you were giving money back. Yep. And sour taste. But those uh, really big point spreads, they just kill me. But you wanted to bet them because we were on a roll, and I knew not to bet them, but I was betting like 20-point spreads, and just stay away from those games. That's, those are sucker bets. Which, which book did you go to? Uh, we were at Bally's. Okay, yeah. And, but yeah, it was great because there were times I was the only person there. I, there were times I literally felt like the only person rooting for the team I was rooting for. Yeah, I saw you um, tweet that one time. I am positive I was the only person in the book that took Arkansas over Seton Hall. Nice. I mean, like, everyone was on Seton Hall. And there, and, and the, the logic was so stupid. It was just like, well, the Big East is really good, and the SEC is terrible. And I'm like, teams don't play. Con- I mean, teams play, not conferences. So I was all about, you know, getting in. And, like, South Carolina I got when no one else wanted it because they were playing at home. And the line just dropped like crazy. So they actually, I was, I was trying to zig while everyone else was zagging because I sat down, I looked around the room, and I said to myself, "Nobody here knows anything." <laughs> it's and so when, I heard, so when I heard people talking up a team, and I was like, "Oh, this team's the best team on earth," I was just like, "These people do not know what they're talking about." So I'm gonna bet on the other team, <laughs> <laughs> and that was a that worked out pretty well for me. So. I did so my uh, I did my bracket in about two and a half minutes with zero research, and I haven't watched many, if any, college basketball games this year. Yeah, I had you know I watched a lot, particularly towards the end because I was studying, yeah. knowing I was going to Vegas naturally, and I did okay in the first rounds. But I I had seven of my eight elite eight teams still alive, so everyone else was talking about busted brackets, and I was sitting in a pretty good position. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, and the one team that I lost was SMU. And even though I didn't have SMU right, I I still feel like I read it right because that was mainly a pick against Duke. Yeah. And I just picked the wrong team to advance. To spring the upset. Also, like SMU completely choked. I just like like dogs. Yeah. And they they put their offense up on blocks. It was it was bad. Um. But yeah, hey everybody, this is Poser whining about his terrible beats on the Sneaky Good Podcast. We haven't had one of these in a while.
That's Dan. We're back. Yeah, you know, it's the off-season. We're trying to have a, a light schedule. But this was a uh, surprisingly uh, busy week. Yeah, I'm drowning. Uh, well, I mean, also just for LSU sports in general. No, I mean, not just... No, I just want to talk about me. Okay, you want to talk about you? All right, let's talk about you. Let's <laughs> talk about me too much. What, what's going on with you? Uh, no, I legitimately thought you were going to say it's just like we've both been busy. And uh, you were totally talking about the busy LSU week, which is yeah. absolutely true. I know I've been busy as well, but like, you know, what's been going on with you? How have you been busy? Well, we're trying to sell our condo and work is busy and, you know, all that comes with those two things. So, Is your big move going to happen? Yeah, I guess, you know, I don't think I've said this really publicly, but I can now because we got an offer and we accepted. So oh, okay. So it's official. It's happening. Um, you know, knock on wood. That doesn't fall through, but, um, but yeah, I'm moving. Uh, I don't know. I'll wait to tell anybody, everybody where, but okay. I'm moving. So you are no longer going to be a member of Chicago. That's true. So I have no place to stay if I would come up for Lollapalooza. No, you probably wouldn't want to stay with me anyways. I live long ass ways away from where that is. And I don't want to go to Lollapalooza anyway. No, but. it's, a, it's for like yuppies. Yeah, it really is. But you know, hey, it takes one to know one. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I'm sure I, it's I'm, a good time. It just I don't I, I don't see that as your kind of music fest. I did go to Lollapalooza back in. I went to the first Lollapalooza. No kidding. Uh, the one with when it was Jane's Addiction's uh, farewell tour is what All it was right. billed as. And it was, let's see if I can remember this. Um, someone can look this up online. I'm doing this from memory. So you have a computer in front of you. You can look it up. It was Jane's Addiction, Living Color, Susie and the Banshees. I want to not play the HF Festival. Um, there was another really big band on that. and not, Was it Body Count? I think it was Body Count. I know I've seen Ice-T with Body Count. But I know it was Jane's Addiction, Living Color, and Susie and the Banshees. Those were the three biggies. But yeah, I know. I know I'm missing one other big band that played that. Yeah, there's a there's a pretty prominent band that you're missing. And then, uh, and then I went to the next one, which was uh, Pearl Jam Soundgarden. They played together with Temple of the Dog, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, and I think Pavement played the other cha- uh, other stage. So, so I'm missing a big one for the first one. I kind of can't remember. Like it all those festivals start to run together after a while. You, yeah. you know, you see so many. You see me so many festivals, you forget. Who am I forgetting? Uh, Nine Inch Nails. Oh, damn it. Yes, that's right. Uh. Yeah, Butthole Surfers, too, but, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, Butthole Surfers are fucking great. Fucking great. If you've never seen the Butthole Surfers, uh, they're well past their prime now, but in the day, oh, my God. They were crazy. It also says Rollins Band, which I'm assuming is Henry Rollins. Yeah, Henry Rollins back then played um, that. That's yeah. It was basically Henry Rollins solo. Uh, that's when he did Liar. Was a big mm-hmm. song. Lords of Acid. I don't know them. They were on a side stage. I don't think I. I don't think I saw them. Yeah, in EBN. I don't remember them. Yeah, I don't know. It listed. It only lists main stage, and it always says that Othello's Revenge was on the side stage, but. Who knows if this is accurate? Because yeah, I don't remember seeing Rollins' band there. I do remember seeing Rollins' band at, a, at the 930 Club, but 
yeah, so th- those are my Lollapalooza memories. I, I, I tapped out on Lollapalooza about 20 years ago. Yeah, I think the big thing now, if you're a true like, music geek, is the, the after shows that like they do in little clubs that are unannounced. Yeah, and we, do, we used to do South by Southwest, but it just got a little bit too big. The traffic yeah. is just um, – ACL is – I'm just not as big on the – and this is where I'll you know, rant at young people. And look, you get the bands you want, but I'm not as down with the headliners anymore. Yeah. And, and honestly, I don't really care about the headliners because you can leave early on a festival and still be happy. Um, it's the lower bill stuff that there, – there's just too many bands that just aren't good live. You know, or just a lot of uh, techno pop kind of stuff. And it just doesn't play that well live. Um, yeah. So ACL is kind of I, I want to go to like one last festival show if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I'm you know I'm, I'm over forty. I'd like to just have one. Where I'm just like this is the festival where I'm just gonna never go to a festival again because there are pains in the ass and you sit out in the middle of nowhere. And but I haven't haven't quite found the one for me. I like the the what the Shaky Groves in Atlanta. Yeah, I'd like to go to that. Um, one of my favorite bands is playing there who I've never seen. I'd love to see Pup, but. I doubt I'll get out to Atlanta to stand in Olympic Park. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, and it'd be hot as fuck, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like just a terrible place to see a show, but I love the lineup. So, I did Bonnaroo. Uh, I was oh, really? The, yeah, I did the Bonnaroo the year, I don't know if you remember, the year that Kanye like had his meltdown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was at that show. And we waited, whatever, many hours to see Kanye. Oh, that's... Yeah, I, I always liked Fun 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 Fest. That was always my favorite. Yeah, um, but they no longer do that. They no longer do that anymore. But yeah, De La Soul kind of had a meltdown at one of those, and that was a bummer because I love De La Soul, but they were not feeling it. It wasn't like <laughs> Kanye level meltdown, but it was. You know, yeah. they bitched about the they bitched about the sound. Only played about half their songs and kind of walked off unhappy. So it wasn't a good enough meltdown that you had a story that they melted down. Yeah. It was just a crappy show. <laughs> yeah, in his defense, he didn't melt down on stage. It just, he wouldn't come on stage until his set was built. And whatever. It changed stages because he got there and realized it wasn't as big as he wanted it to be. <sighs> he, You know, he was being Kanye. and I, I saw that uh, at ACL one year. Erica Badu refused to come out until everything was perfect. And they, just, and they just ate into her time. So she came out and played a... 15 minutes set and then they cut off her mic <laughs> they're like there's another band coming <laughs> you's got to get off the stage <laughs> Kanye still did a pretty sweet show I mean he he went on at like 3 in the morning and oh wow even later I mean, yeah it had to have been later because I remember when we were going to bed the sun was starting to come up so hey when you're the last one you can throw that temper tantrum you can go last yeah the shitty part was my friend that I was with wanted to see Sigaros and we were watching them, but their show had some overlap with Kanye and I was like, I want to see Kanye and get like decently close. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we bailed on Sigaros to go sit and not see Kanye for six hours. <laughs> you know, yeah, he, he might have been a little irritated. The good news is you didn't have to see a whole lot of Sigaros, so that worked out well for you. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of them, but you know, he was into it. So yeah, uh, God, yeah, they're they're definitely a band that uh, I've I've never gotten. <laughs> they're a band, that's for sure. Yeah, and they have some very dedicated fans. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, they do nothing for me. They're in that deer hunter category of just ambient music that goes nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now we have really gone far afield. That was nothing to do with LSU sports. Welcome to the off season. Hey, welcome to the off season. Well, let's talk at least the big news first. I'm I'm actually watching the tourney right now as we talk. That LSU has a new basketball coach. Yeah. Um. And what was your one. first impressions? I'm pretty pumped. Like, it, admittedly, I don't have near the working knowledge of coaches like I do for college football. Um, I don't. I just don't keep up with the game as as thoroughly as I do college football. But to me, I, I, this is the type of hire I didn't think Oliva could pull off. Like it's a young up and comer who is probably been positioning himself to take a leap to a big job, and I don't think of LSU as that type of leap. I mean, it, yeah, um, it, it's certainly a, a step up conference wise for him, you know, but like. I don't know. You would think he's going to a blue blood. Yeah, this and also like BCU move. is the kind of mid major that you stay at for a yeah. while. You can't. I mean, you don't have to leave a place like that. It's, you can win there. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say it's like Butler because Butler's now in the Big East, but it's like Butler. Yeah. Like once you're there, there's no reason to leave. They've had a lot of successful coaches. And uh, yeah, they're, they're real cradle of coaches there. But also, yeah, I'm with you. I love the mentality of the hire because when Oliva started talking about proven winner. I was just like, oh, God, we're going to get some retread. Yeah, that was like the hand jerk motion. I mean, I was terrified of us hiring Tom Crean. Um, I wouldn't have hated that. I wouldn't have hated it either. He's a better coach than he gets credit for. But, but this is way better than Tom Crean. Yeah, like I'd rather get a guy who hasn't written his legacy yet. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. I just didn't and, think it was possible. So I guess that's yeah. why I had resigned myself to being okay with Tom Crean. I think what it comes down to is Wade's a little bit younger than I am, but he's still about my age. He at least has some memory of LSU being a great program. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're about to run out on coaches who remember LSU being a destination program. Yeah. So he, he at least as a kid turned on the TV once and saw an LSU game. It was like, Hey, that's a place I would like to play or coach when I'm older, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know when you're, if you're 13, if you dream about coaching, you probably still dream about playing. Um, but he still had that, he had those good memories still in his, in his mind, which a lot of players that he's recruiting won't have. Yeah. Like absolutely. they they're, have no memory of LSU as a real program. And so that was a real good get. They were able to play on a guy who, and also when he called the Dale, what was it? He, he called the Dale Brown era, a moment. I think, what was it? Yeah. I think, it's like spots of greatness or something. Yeah. Like, that. like he, it was, it was not backhanded compliment, but he did put it in perspective. It was just like, that was a, it was a moment in time. It wasn't the program. It, it showed what this program's capable of, but that's not what he's aiming for. He's aiming for something greater. And I, I, I liked that he's trying to, muscle aside the looming shadow of Dale Brown. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's ambitious. And I also think what he's very, um, he has, um, like a magnetism to him. Like he's, he draws you to him. At least when I was watching his press conference, I'm just like, he's compelling. Um, he speaks very authoritative and confident, but not in like a dickhead way, just in a very, like he believes in himself 
And yeah. He, he knows how to get things done, and he's you're going to do it his way. Um, and, like, I watched a video today that I saw going around when he was at VCU, and there was two players on the team bus wearing non, like, sponsored gear. And he basically was like, if that ever happens again, they're going to sit their ass at home and not come play for me because <laughs> you do it the right way. And he's like, I know that sounds stupid, but he's like, to me, that says you're not buying into the mentality, and so I don't want you on my court, basically. And I was like, this is the kind of attitude we've needed. To, it's an attention to, to detail. The that, yeah. There's an attention to detail there that has not been there with this program. Yes. And Johnny Jones is a good recruiter. So I, the cupboard's not entirely bare. There are some problems there. But if Antonio Blakeney comes back, which I think he will, and that's the first bit of recruiting that Wade has to do. He has to yep. come in and get Antonio Blakeney to A, come back, and then B, buy in. And I think he can do both of those things. And But it shows that he's a guy that looks at – Johnny Jones just recruited – and I, I hate to say this about him, but he definitely was the kind of coach where it felt where you roll the ball on the court and whatever happens, happens. Like We didn't really have great offensive sets. And it really speaks to the fact that LSU played terrible defense uh, under him. Uh, just one of the worst defensive teams I've ever seen. And that really speaks to his coaching and all, like to details. Like he just wasn't that interested in the stuff that wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, LSU could, could score. They just couldn't stop anybody. And I think Wade is going to, he's VCU has been known for their defense. Uh, going back to Shaka smart, uh, you know, it's the havoc defense and if he can bring that kind of intensity on defense, there's talent at LSU. Um, they should not – this was not a team that should have gone 2-16 and 16 in the SEC when yeah. you look up down that roster. No, it, no it, it was not bereft of talent. I mean it, was, it wasn't a tournament team. But it, this was a team that could have gone 500 in the SEC had things broken right. And – to get nowhere near that really speaks to the job that Johnny Jones did or did not do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's, it's nice to have, he seems like a, a legitimate program changer. Like, I feel like he is the kind of person you wanted a, our football program to hire. Yes. Oh, that's exactly right. He, he's going to turn is, it's, this is a one eighty. He's going a different direction with this thing. And honestly, you know what? It might not work, but yeah. this is the first time where we've hired a guy who it just feels like this could be his program. Um, Brady was a caretaker who got us out of the the depths of probation, mm-hmm. but I never felt he could do much more than that. Uh, Trent Johnson just bored us all to tears, and Johnny Jones was basically a look back to, hey, remember how great Dale Brown was? Yep. And this is the first time it's just like, no, this is going to be my program. You know, this is the, I know it sounds weird, but I think this is the first hire we had where it really feels where we are past the Dale Brown era. And that's really terrifying because the Dale Brown era actually ended 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a pretty accurate. What, how did you feel about one thing I noticed that he kept saying, he said it maybe five, six times was the word alignment. The athletic department is in alignment. We're in alignment. We have a vision. We're in alignment. Yeah, I took that to mean you know yeah. him and Oliva, but also the power brokers that have kind of pushed the program around. Yeah, like it's all like okay, we're all on the same page, and it has to be if we're going to succeed. It did. It seemed like everybody's on the same. It seemed like the boosters aren't driving the ship. You don't have like nine different captains. Will Wade's in charge, but. 
so is Oliva in, in a way. Oliva has basically turned it over to Wade and say, hey, I'm going to give you everything you can to succeed. And if you don't succeed, it's your own fault. But I'm not going to be the guy who hinders you from success. And I think he's also kind of pushed the boosters to the side. Um, the Johnny Jones was a booster hire. Yep. And sometimes you need to have one of those hires and for it to not work out so you can tell the boosters to go sit down and shut up. Yeah. yeah. But no, I'm really happy with everything about this hire. This was everything you'd want out of the hire. I mean, because clearly LSU is not in the market for they, – they weren't going to bring in a huge name. They're just not that kind of program. So I think they got the best coach they could have gotten. Yeah. Given the kind of pro, given the situation they're in. Yeah, I don't know who else would you know realistically be any better than him. And yeah, yes. you know, honestly, I feel pretty confident that he'll succeed, um, which makes him probably. I think there's a greater flight risk than there is fail risk. Um, I'm being optimistic here, but. Um, but I mean, that's, I guess that's not the worst thing in the world. If he can get the program into a place that's appealing, that means you can then sort of raise your level for the next hire. If he stays there for four years and then raises his profile and bolts for a better job, great. That's a successful hire at this point because yeah. then he would have done enough to get to bolt for a different hire. I will take that. Yeah, that, that's, that's a straight win. Yeah, and it means that, you know, whoever we turn to next will probably be inheriting a program in good shape and on the rise. So it's a more appealing job. It's not a rebuild anymore. It's a add-on. Yeah, you can't be as afraid of a coach being too successful. That's, that's loser talk. Yeah. I mean, look at VCU. I mean, VCU is not thrilled to be losing Wade, but they keep replacing their coaches – over and over and over again. And it's because it's a great job and people, they keep making great hires. Yeah. That's, I mean, the, if, that's the one criticism I've seen is, you know, a lot of those guys haven't been terribly successful after leaving. It's true. Um, shock of smarts. The one that really shocks me. Yeah. Same here. I, I really thought he was going to do something in Texas, but well, it's only been two years. Yeah. It's, it's, Early and it, he's quite a bit different than Rick Barnes. So, yeah, I, I, Rick Barnes kind of drove that program. And well, you know, we had Johnny Jones. So, and that's the other thing. It's like Wade is not going to come in tomorrow, and we're not going to compete with Kentucky. This is not a oh, we're suddenly a national title contender. That's crazy talk. It's going to take time. Yep, it's a rebuild. And, yeah, it is. It is a total rebuild. But I think this was a great first step. I think the press conference in the uh, student union was a great step. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting decision. And I'm curious who's driving those types of decisions. Yeah, I am curious who came up with that one. That seems very un-Joe Oliva, but yeah. I have, maybe he's the guy who did it. Yeah, or, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a very smart move because – we have floundered in attendance and students hate going to the basketball games, but are showing up for gym. So, you know, it's, it's a way to like kind of broker that piece and say, Hey, we get it. We're trying to, 
you know, turning over a new page here. And it's also just trying to bring the students into it. Yeah. It's trying to get buy-in from everybody. And I, it had to have come from Oliva because I don't think Wade truly knows how bad things had gotten with the student body. No. I mean, I think he knows that attendance is down and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he can read a stat sheet. Of course. But uh, I don't think he knows quite the level of apathy that's infected Baton Rouge over the basketball program. And so I think this was – I'm going to give credit to you – know, he doesn't get enough credit. It's easy – once again, it's always easy to hate the bean counter. But I do think this was a move from the athletic department. I think Joe Oliva deserves credit, not just for the, the hire, but how he handled it. Not having the press conference in the student union, making it open to the public, particularly the students – it's a great move. Yeah, I asked on Twitter the other day if, you know, let's just say Wade works out. Um, is going to retire to LSU. The gym program's going to be in good shape. Um, yeah. And it, her successor's already here, so. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he hired O, so let's say O works out. Uh, does the, the tide of opinion turn on Oliva? And everyone was like, no, no. Everyone seems to be you know, ingrained in their hatred. I have a feeling if we start winning. Of course it will. Winning cures everything. Yeah. Winning always cures everything. If the football team goes out this year and goes 13-0, and 0, and Jim wins the national title, which we'll talk about in just a second, and basketball makes the tournament, and baseball makes the College World Series and has a good showing, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden... Oliva has bought himself a lot of goodwill. Yeah. And obviously we realize Oliva did not hire D.D. Bro, but he has been instrumental. He's at least played some part in the elevation of the relevance of our gym program. Yes. He, uh, I'm hired now. I can't remember his name. The assistant coach from Georgia came over and has really helped the program with recruiting. And yeah, D.D. Bro's had a second wind to her career that I don't think anyone saw coming. No. Uh, these last time. Yeah, she has. She was there when I was in school. And but these last five years, the program went from second tier in the SEC to competitive, and we're happy we made the Super Six to this year where if we don't win the national title, we're gonna be disappointed. Yeah. And I do think Oklahoma's a better team. I I, I wanna put that in the foreground. Oklahoma, I do think is better, but this does kind of feel like the year. It, you know, Ashley Nat's a senior. Um, everything is going great. And also, it just seems the team is peaking right now. That SEC championship performance was just amazing. And scoring over 198 at the SECs, that's, that's just laying down the hammer. Yeah, we got a bit of the uh, Team of Destiny feel going on here. And... If you think of the last time we had a great group of seniors when we had the Reagan Corville, you know, Mincy Hall class, they really laid an egg when they were seniors and didn't even make the Super Six. They lost in the round of 12. Um, they didn't peak. You know, they peaked midway through the season and then in the postseason kind of scuttled through. Mm-hmm. This team looks like it's peaking right in time for the postseason, which is exactly what you want. They're putting up their highest scores of the season right now. Yeah. 
And we're going to, I guess we're going to dive into this next week more. Yeah, we'll do a preview. I'm going to try and, uh, we're going to try and put out the call, see if we can get a, a gym expert out there, uh, and do our little bit of national preview. Um, next week is the regionals or we might wait a week and do it when we're up to the super six. Um, but really the, the gym team, well, also what's amazing is, is how it's not just, we don't have a very deep senior class. There's only three seniors on the team, but Sydney Ewing competes in almost every event. Ashley Nat, I think stepping her down from the bars has been huge. So that way she only has to compete on three or four events. And of those three events, she won the sec title in all three events she competes on. So good move on lightening her workload. Um, but it's also it's it's that the youngers have ste- have stepped up. Like Kenny Edney has stepped up. At, it's um, you had uh, McKenny Kelly. You know, um, it's not just the, the junior class is really strong, but the freshmen and sophomores have just progressed so far. This is it, the team is loaded everywhere. You, you look up and down the roster, and you're like, I don't see where the flaw is. I don't know where the weakness is. Mm-hmm. You know, our bars lineup could be a little bit better. Um, bars is a place where you can lose big and win big. It's probably the most volatile rotation. Um, like the beam, as I like to call it, a Satan's apparatus. But you're not going to – you tend not to score big on the beam. It's pretty much survive and get through. The bars is the kind of event where you can score as high as you can on the floor or you can score as low as you do on the beam. Um, and we tend to just kind of hold steady on the bars. If you're looking for a weakness, I think that's LSU's biggest weakness. Also, our most explosive gymnast doesn't compete on that event. You know, uh, Ashley Nat doesn't compete there. But you know, we have Ruby Harold, who is a uh, um, an Olympian, uh, but also she's a specialist on the bars. So it's we have people who can step up there. Um, it's just such a loaded team. And also, since I've been throwing out names, Aaron McAdeg, um on the beam. She has just become just the rock of the team. She is, she's more of an Oklahoma kind of a gymnast. Uh, I find that LSU gymnasts are more athletic. They like try to jump out of the gym. Yeah, we've talked about excited. this. Uh, Oklahoma is more play a little bit more conservative, but you do everything perfectly. Their lines are great. They never wobble. It's just the great you do sector. everything right. Um, it's nice to have one person on the team who is like that. And that's kind of McAdeg's job. And she's on the beam and she's our perfect gymnast. She's not going to, you're not going to stand up and go, Oh my God, at the end of a routine, but you're going to be like, at the end of it, you're going to be like, I don't know where the deduction came from. And then all of a sudden there's a nine, nine on the board. And I, I wouldn't want the whole team to be like, like that. I kind of like our style of big risk, big reward, but it's nice to have an anchor. So there you go. There's your preview to the preview. Yeah, we're really good. We're, we're going to win our regional pretty easily. Yeah. So we're, we're, I'm not panicked about it. It's exciting. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great time for LSU sports right now. Um, the baseball team is rounding into form a little bit. They just swept Georgia. Uh, is Maneri like the least popular coach we have now? God, he really has to be. Um, that's just the price of LSU baseball. Yeah. I feel for the guy because it's – he's being measured against Skip Bertman. That's an almost impossible standard. Yeah. I got a 
I don't know a lot about college baseball coaches either, but one of my buddies is just he's a big LSU baseball fan and he was firing me off texts about how we need to get rid of Maneri. I'm just like he's you know, he's I mean, I don't know, he's he's maybe not the best, but he's pretty good. It's like it, it, he hasn't hardly done anything worth justifying firing him. Yeah, his game management leaves something to be desired at times. Um but his biggest chokes I, I I think the Houston series a few years ago, that that really qualifies as a choke. But like last year, he got every ounce out of that team. Uh, That was a rebuilding year, and we ended up with a national seed. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, Before the rally possum, LSU was in danger of missing the tournament. I think people forget that. Yeah. That team was floundering. And honestly, that was their talent level. And all of a sudden, they just start rolling off win after win after win after win after win. They earn a national seed, and they end up mashed up with Coastal Carolina. They lose a pretty hard-fought series, but then Coastal Carolina goes off and wins the national title. It's not like LSU lost to a bad team. Honestly, Coastal was better. They were just – LSU had the bad luck of drawing a team that was horribly underseeded. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's – I, I get why – it seems surprising to me that anyone would be angry about last year's result just because it was a young team and – I don't know. They seem to have overachieved, if anything, to me. Yeah, I think last year was nothing but success. And then, you know, there's some – this year is definitely the year that people are looking at. And Alex Lang is scuffling right now. But he's still winning. I mean, he had that one – okay, the TCU game was really bad. But I'm kind of writing that series off. You know, it was in it was in Houston. We only won one of two, one of three that weekend, um, but it wasn't. It was a weird environment. The umpire wasn't the best, and honestly, okay, we lost the TCU game pretty badly. Alex Lang had just a bad outing, but Texas Tech came out of the ninth inning. I mean, if if LSU scores in that in that ninth inning, they win the game and they win two out of three instead of win instead of losing two out of three, and we walk away from that weekend feeling really good about the team. And it's it's just the that thin line between success and failure, and you fell on the wrong side of it. But it's early in the season, I'm like don't panic. Yeah, TCU's manager is who my buddy wants us to hire. He's great, but he's not leaving TCU. Yeah. I mean, I, I, w- I would love him as well, but he's he's he was just off for the Texas job, and he said no. Yeah. And I know LSU is one of the premier jobs in the country in college baseball, but if you're coaching TCU and you get offered the Texas job and you say no, you're you're probably committed to TCU. Yeah, this was an interesting. So his argument was that we are the Alabama football of college baseball, and I said no. I think we are. Uh, um, I, I think that's a, f- a fair example. But Alabama doesn't get its pick of the coaches either. Do we have all of that, that history, though? Kind of yes and kind of no. I mean, but, we've always had a good program, but it's... No, well, LSU's program really didn't exist before Skip Burtman showed up in the early 80s. But here's the thing. College baseball in general didn't really exist right. until the 80s. So 
prior to 1980, every national title was won by a West Coast team for like 30 years, except I think Texas snuck in one or two. But it was basically USC and Arizona State winning every year and, you know, maybe Cal State Fullerton. It was just a – so it's it's just how the, the sport developed. There's no real look back before 1980. I mean USC gets a little bit of credit but not much. So there are – when you say a long-time power, yeah, LSU because they were one of the first programs to rise as soon as the sport became national. Fair enough. I don't, I don't know the history of the game as well. I was assuming like USC. Yeah, USC has the most. It's kind but, of, or Texas. But there were no other – it wasn't really the national sport it was because what really prompted the rise of college baseball was ESPN got the rights to the College World Series in the mm-hmm. 80s. And it really changed you know, the balance of power and it slowly started to shift east – well, south. Um. And if you look at the former powers, you know, USC and Arizona State, they're not quite what they were. So they're more – they've kind of fallen a little bit. I mean, either one of them are bad programs. They're still both very good, but they're not quite the level they were. So when you think of like the best programs in college baseball, yeah, it's – the history is a little bit more similar to basketball than it is to football. You know, how like – I don't want to say nothing before the NCAA tournament counts, but – Nothing before the NCAA tournament counts. Sure. It's that kind of level. So it's more like if somebody starts trotting out how they won a whole bunch of titles in the 50s, who cares? You know, in college basketball. Like San Francisco won some titles when they had the big O. San Francisco is not a classic program. Right. You know, it's it's that kind. Or Kansas kind of gets away with this because they're still good. But a lot of Kansas titles are, are like Michigan's football titles. They're before... It was a national sport. Mm-hmm. And so you take those with a grain of salt. We have to, we need to get Eric on here to rant about how Notre Dame has a, not a real power. <laughs> yeah. I, I see where that kind of comes from, but football has a little bit more cachet because it was a national sport. Yeah. But like, it's more like college basketball. And I would say, like, I'm trying to think of a. An equ- LSU is LSU is like Duke. Um, people forget before Mike Shashevsky, Duke was a good program, but they weren't Carolina. Yeah, yeah. But now they've been winning for so long that Duke is Duke. They're the, they are the blue blood. I had that thought the other day, thinking about Will Wade, because I was like, "What if he became our Shashevsky?" You know, and he'd be great. Because, I mean, that's what everyone, everyone wants. Yeah, obviously it's not. You know, that sort of tobacco road basketball is sort of God, but. Um. Yeah, it's hard to get to that level because at Duke and Carolina, basketball is king. Yep. And at LSU, it'll never be king unless something really bad happens to the football program. Yep. But, um, no, if, if Manieri quit tomorrow, LSU would have their pick of the best coaches in the country. That said, think about Alabama football. If Nick Saban retires tomorrow, it's not like they get Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they will get a really good coach because they're Alabama, but at the same time, you you can't quite get anybody because the people at top jobs are at top jobs as well, and they're probably not going to leave. Hey, I wrote about that. Yeah, you did. 
See how I tied that all in there? I read that. Look at that. We're, we're just one long story here. One big story. But you see, so yes, I think LSU could hire a really good coach. Look, when they hired Manieri, you know, he had just made the College World Series at Notre Dame. But I don't think they can just hire whoever. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not like people are just waiting by the phone. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, they have their own programs to run. And there comes a point where they're just like, this is my program and I'm not leaving it. Yeah, and really what's, you know, short of you having personal issues with someone that you have to work with on a regular basis, what's really the difference? Like in Ohio State and Alabama. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's get, he gets everything he needs at Ohio State. Why, why would he bail that? Yeah, and if you're at TCU, you're getting everything you need at TCU. Yeah. I, I don't see him leaving. And also, you're in the Big 12. You're, you're playing great competition all the time. It's not like you're like, oh, my God, I need to get out of this because I'm, I'm worried about the conference I'm in. Yeah, and I think it's worth saying, too, and I think this plays into Gary Patterson's why he has never sprung for a bigger job is – you probably have a little bit longer leash there because, I don't know. You do. You just, there's not as much history there. And also, you're the biggest fi- fish in Fort Worth. Yeah. But you're still in the DFW. So everything takes a backseat to pro, Dallas Pro Sports. Yeah. It's weird. It's like you have all the benefits of a power program without having the, the weight of having to deal with being a power program. Yeah. And so... And also, you're in Fort Worth. You're in a really nice place to live. Fort Worth is gorgeous. Um, you're at a nice school. You, they've got plenty of money. Um, yeah, yeah I, that's a tough place to leave. I, I, I wouldn't think anyone. And I, I can understand why you would at least listen to the call. But at the end sure. of the day, LSU just can't walk in there and say, hey, we can, particularly if they just fired Manieri after a successful year, because then you just look crazy. You know, because yeah. when they when they fired Smoke, I think everybody understood. Hey, you know, Smoke's got to go, even though he was fairly successful. Um, looking back on it, but he, you know, they had missed the tournament, and it was you know it was time to happen. Um, you're not going to get that from if they fire Manieri after just being successful pretty much every season, being a good team, and then it's just like, well, he loses in the. Uh, Super regionals a lot. God, that's getting that's a tough sell to another coach. Yeah. Hey, be a top be a top ten every, team every year, and if you don't want a title, we're gonna fire you. Right. Uh, I mean, who wants that kind of pressure? Yeah, I, that's uh, I don't see it. But I, I mean, earlier this year, you said this is sort of the team that should be winning the College World Series, or at least you yeah. know, sort of making that. Yeah, once you get to Omaha, anything can happen. Particularly yeah, in that making ballpark. that trip, I guess. Particularly in that ballpark. But yeah, you you want to. I think they need to make it this year, and you know, there's a long way to go, but they're on the right pace. I think there's been a little bit too much panic early in the year. Um, this is a really good team, and you know they've got a great one-two punch at the top of the rotation. Uh, Dykeman is just crushing the ball, um, but like Deplantis is hitting real well. This is. You know, Kramer Robertson is doing everything we expected him to be at shortstop. It's a good team. Don't panic. LSU fans panic? Never. No, we're complete. that is completely not like us. So, yeah. If you're going to panic right now, panic about softball. No. 
Uh, you could panic about the. Apparently, Trump wants the vote for the health care bill tomorrow. Yeah, I saw that. He's getting. He's saying, uh, no matter what the whip count is, he wants a. He wants a vote. So, so I guess that that could incite panic on depending on which side of the aisle you support. Eh, eh like we'll see a vote. And it's that's that's one of those. I don't understand what they're what what the rush is, but okay. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like, they sort of created a self-imposed deadline for themselves, and now that they haven't hit it, they look silly. But you're like. It's not like they can't do it on Monday. It's not like the teacher's going to come in and say your homework's late. <laughs> right. So uh, sometimes I don't get the narrative of politics. They just – sometimes you just make things too difficult on yourself. Yeah. If, you know, if you have a bill and you don't like it, you know, and you're, they've been rewriting it la- – they're even rewriting it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe take a month or two to be like, hey, why don't we write this the way we want to write it? I'm just throwing that out there. You know, actually do a good job writing it instead of like half assing it, like once again, like you're late for class. Mm hmm. Very perplexing. Yeah. And it'd be one thing if you're just trying to ram it through, you know, to get the vote in. But if you don't have the votes, why are you rushing now? <laughs> like, if you had the votes, okay, I need to get this through, I get it. But you don't have the votes right now, so take your time. Write it the write it the way you want to write it, and then get the votes. Yeah, it doesn't seem terribly popular with much of anyone. So yeah, I think this. Uh, what is it? I saw a poll today that said only twenty percent of Americans support the the new health care bill. Hmm. That is a remarkably unpopular people piece of legislation. That's uh, that's really that's really bad. I mean, like Nickelback has higher ratings than that. <laughs> oh, Nickelback. Yeah, always the go-to. You can always punch down the Nickelback. Yeah, that was like uh, Adam's article where he punched down on Imagine Dragons, which... Yeah. I was like, Come this on, lay seems off. like a place for a Nickelback reference. Also, lay off Imagine Dragons. What's wrong? Yeah. You know, not my favorite band in the world, but come on. They make good, you know... And Affleck rock and roll, like, yeah. just, it's okay. They did a cool Grammys performance with Kendrick Lamar. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. Look, if Kendrick Lamar likes him, that's good enough for me. Yeah, that's it's good enough for you too. That's kind of my stance. To, are you trying to argue that you're cooler than Kendrick Lamar? Because <laughs> <laughs> if you are, <laughs> we need to sit you down and have a conversation. <laughs> There's some more serious issues at play here. <laughs> Yeah, that has some delusions of grandeur you might have there. Um, but yeah, if you look at the, the health of LSU sports right now, look pretty good. They look a lot better today than they did last spring. Yes. Uh, you know, one one year ago at this time, everything looks like it's in a better place. Uh Jim's in a better place because that run they made last year to finish second was kind of unexpected. Um, baseball's in a better place. We weren't expecting them to rally back to a national seed. Um, softball's in a better place. Bailey Landry's hitting over 500, by the way. Uh, football looks like it's finally settled. You know, we've moved past the the great Les Miles distraction. Um, 
basketball's clearly in a better place. The women's team made the tournament. They lost in the first round, but at least they made the tournament. Yeah, it's progress. So uh, things seem to be going, I don't want to say great all across the board because there's still problems here and there, but optimistic. I think it's trending up is the best way to say it. Yeah, I agree. But the big thing it comes down to is football. Yeah, it's our moneymaker. You know, if you have a bad football team, nothing else matters. And we'll see spring practice is what starts in, I want to say, a week. They're all giving interviews now in the Advocate. They seem to be all showing up on campus. I thought it already started. Or has it already started? Just not open to the public? Yeah, maybe they, maybe it's like, I don't know. I always forget, you know, the official number of practices and things I like that. I think it but, started, but it's like, yeah, they're, they've they been restricting. Yeah, like how much they can practice. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it, it's we started. get to the thing, it's like, this is the, the one of the first years in a while, well, particularly compared to last year. This team doesn't match up with Alabama like it did last year on paper. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely the expectations are a little bit lower. And, you know, last year's team didn't meet those expectations. As I've said, most disappointing LSU team of my lifetime. Easily. But this year's team, it's not like they have low expectations. Because I still think the expectation is second in the SEC West. But I do think second is more of a forgivable. If this team wins, you know, nine or ten games and then gets its doors blown off by Alabama, no one's going to be happy about that. But at the end of the year, I think there'll be some people will be okay with it. I think it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. We're in the off season, so you don't. It's harder to take the temperature on what. Like, I don't know. I, I haven't spent as much time on Tiger Droppings. I don't know what people are saying about O now. But people have seemed to move past that, you know, he's the hire. So I think they're – Yeah, I think we've accepted that he's – yeah, I mean, what's the point of still relitigating? Uh, there's always going to be people who are going to relitigate, you know, every fight. Look, there are still people relitigating every fight with less miles. Yeah. Uh, like, what's, what's the point? Um, we're at least, I think, moved on to, you know, the Orgeron era – I think what gives us hope, it's Edo is the emotional leader, but I think people are looking at the coordinators, and that's what's given people a lot of hope for this team. That Aranda and Canada look like two of the best coordinators in the country, and we want them to deliver. Which is exactly what we said when the hire was announced. <laughs> This yeah, I was hired to recruit and to set a mindset, a mentality, an attitude, and he's going to let his coordinators do the strategy, and that might work. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see if this is a viable strategy. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see. I, I think it's really intriguing. What it feels like we're going to have a different offense finally. So I'm I'm intrigued by that piece. Yeah, it'll be nice to have an offense that can actually move the football. Something fresh. Because, yeah, like this has been a – it's been a slog. <laughs> you know, and look, Geis is a great running back, but 
I, I would like some three or four wide receiver sets. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's spread things out. It's, and I know you have more confidence in the wide receivers than I do because I know they were very highly recruited. But I do. They have they haven't done a damn thing since they showed up on campus. So now part of that's opportunity, but it's true. It, it, it the lack of production is concerning. Uh, what we have returning there there yep. is not a lot of guys who have done it before on offense. Yet we're still expecting a greater offensive production just because of a philosophical change yeah which says a lot about the previous philosophy yeah that's how sick of it people were yeah i mean even though even people that defend you know like we were pretty calm you know pretty i wouldn't say less fanboys but we were pretty supportive I mean, I understand the strategy behind it, but it's like, it's like anything. Um, if you're not winning, <laughs> playing a slow down, boring style of offense is even more frustrating. Yeah, it makes the experience not enjoyable. Yeah, it makes it it makes it that much worse. I, I mean, at least be a, if you're going to lose, at least be aesthetically pleasing. Um, and the offense was always efficient. There, there was really good on points per game. I mean, and points per play and things like that. I mean, not points per play, uh, yards per play. Yep. But I think we underrate sheer volume of plays. Yeah, you came out of like, the national I, championship with that that, that working. I, I know we're you know we we tend to deride people who you know oh well total off, just straight total offense doesn't tell the tale. I mean yards per game it's it doesn't really tell you anything. I think it tells you a little bit more than we'd like to admit. Um, efficiency is one thing, and the LSU offense was always efficient. But I don't think anyone would call the LSU offense good because it, you need to be efficient as well as gaining some yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there needs to be volume to go with your efficiency. Yeah. It doesn't mean it need to be just – you know, I, I, you can't have one or the other. You need both for it to be a truly good offense. But yeah. I, think, I think looking at just yards per play has been a problem. And that, that's a problem that, you know, I'm saying I've had, or, you know, the site's had. We, we've kind of looked more at efficiency because that's kind of what advanced stats do. And I, now that we've come out of the last miles there, I think that's one of our bigger – was one of our bigger blind spots. We, we got too obsessed with efficiency. Yeah, it's only sure. That's only one pillar of production. Especially with – I mean, and part of that – style is so much ball control keeping your defense off the field because you can't really allow points it's pretty difficult to allow points when you're on offense so and it was also hard if we ever fell behind the team really felt like it couldn't be itself to come back right yeah it was like it was all of a sudden you're playing a different offense so I mean, I don't want this team to suddenly become a fast break offense. I don't want to like act like a Big Twelve team. No, but you know, like I think Alabama has shown how you can be efficient while still playing man ball and also adding a little bit of a modern offense. You, you yeah. can do all the you know you can creep into the modern era and still punish teams physically. Yeah, and I think that fits with what Ogeron likes it's a kind of a Pete Carroll 
thing too. Yeah. Those USC teams were always physical, but they still had flash, you know. They had their downfield passing yeah. and stuff, but they were physical teams. They could run the ball on you. They would hit, you know. Yeah. Lendale White was a was a monster of a runner. Yeah, he was the hammer. And, and that's what I think. I, we've had the hammer. Let's, you know, add a drill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 